Paul writes to Titus and says in chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. It is clear that God has set us apart. He has sanctified us. We are therefore peculiar. We're different. And we're different. And we're peculiar so that we might be noticed. We might be light and life in darkness and death. So that we might influence but all too often we shy away from this peculiarness that we are identified with and called unto welcome to the weekly wholesome words podcast where we examine the sound doctrine in god's word for the specific purpose to know christ gain the renewing of our mind that we might prove his will in our lives that all things would work together for his purpose I am Josh Trelecki, pastor and teacher of Twin Cities Grace Fellowship. Join me in this episode of Weekly Wholesome Words to look at the issue of being a peculiar people. In Titus chapter 2, and starting there in verse 11, we learn that the peculiarness that we are and that we're called unto is due to God's grace. The grace of God brings salvation that brings salvation has appeared to all men and it teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world he then breaks this down all the further in verse 14 he says who gave himself for us the grace of god is the issue of god giving himself through his son the lord jesus christ for us why what's the purpose of God giving himself? Why is the purpose of God giving his son and therefore being our savior? One, that he might redeem us from all iniquity. That redemption from iniquity is part and parcel of our peculiarness. We are people forgiven in the sight of God. We are those that are justified. And therefore we, at least in the eyes of God, are distinct. We are separate. He goes on to say, however, in verse 14, and purify unto himself a peculiar people. On the premise and foundation of the redemption that's in Christ Jesus that redeems us from all iniquity. God has the legal uh, permission to purify us, to cleanse us, to sanctify us, And he does this by the Spirit baptizing us in the Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That we might therefore then be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is this identity, the moment that we believe, although we learn it later as we learn the scriptures, as we learn these things in the Word of God, that first makes us peculiar. It goes hand in hand with our justification. The moment we believe we're justified, but we're also sanctified. 
we are purified. We are a purified people because of the operation of God and that operation of God done by the Spirit without hands in putting off the body of the flesh, as Colossians says in verse 2. This is the first aspect of being a peculiar people. But not only is this part of our peculiarness, but as he goes on to say in verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. On the basis of our purification, on the basis, therefore, of our sanctification, we ought to be a people, therefore, that are not only peculiar, but zealous of good works, which makes up the other aspect of our peculiarity. When we deny ungodliness, that which the world is a part of, and the, and the ungodliness and the righteousness of man is worthy of the wrath of God, when we deny that, when we deny worldly lusts, we begin to no longer be conformed to this world and we begin to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. This transformation of our minds based upon what we are now taking in, the things of the Spirit of God that who searched out the deep things of God, the things that are freely given to us, the things that conform us into the image of Christ the very mind of Christ, this transformation and renewal of these things makes us peculiar. But not only that, it therefore then equips us with the capacity to live godly, to live soberly, to live righteously. This is all in contrast to the ungodliness and the worldly lust that we used to live by. So our being a peculiar people is one when we believe the gospel when we believe in what Christ did for us and that the redemption is in Christ Jesus and therefore we believe in his cross work his death burial and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins and we believe that on the basis of faith and faith alone in him and in his work we therefore are not only justified but we are sanctified we are purified unto himself a peculiar people and secondarily that which we will experience in the details of our life is that of being zealous of good works when we learn the word of god and prove the word of god in our lives we begin for the first time to produce good works Works that are tainted with the fruit of the Spirit, for they are led by the Spirit. We are called not only, as he says in Galatians chapter 5, to live in the Spirit, but he says, let us also walk in the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit, then he goes on in verse 26, he says, let us not be desirous of vain glory provoking one another, envying one another. When we walk in the Spirit, when we walk in our peculiarness, it's going to come out into good works. 
not a desiring of vainglory, not a desire of provoking one another, not uh, envying one another, but quite the opposite. He says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, when he deals with this issue of peculiarness and that which they're called unto and that which the Corinthians were not walking in, he said the reason why is because they were unequally yoked together with unbelievers. They were yoked unequally with those of the world. Those following ungodliness. Those following the worldly lusts. Not denying them, but following them. And so he says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers in verse 14 of chapter 6 of Second Corinthians. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. As he quotes Leviticus chapter 26 in Jeremiah chapter 24 and chapter 31. He then goes on to quote Isaiah 52 and verse 11. He says, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty, as he quotes Second Samuel chapter 7 and verse 14. And then he says this in verse 7. He says, In order to not have agreement with idols, in order to not have part with the infidel, in order to not have concord with Belial, in order to not have communion with darkness, in order to not have fellowship with unrighteousness, he says in verse 7, on the premise of the promises given in connection with God dwelling in us and walking in us, and us being his sons and daughters, and are called to be separate. He says this in verse 7, I'm sorry, chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The maturation and growth in holiness, the, the perfecting holiness in the fear of God, is that of taking our new identity and not just living in it, but walking in it. Don't just live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. And the things consistent and compatible with who God made you to be the moment you believed are found by the, the leading of the Spirit. They're found in His things. How we are to think and how we are to act and how we are to work and commune with one another and how we're supposed to do this in this situation and that in this situation. The principles of wisdom that we are to live by are found in Paul's epistles. And by them we perfect holiness. We not only bring forth fruit unto holiness, we mature and grow holiness. We are to do it in the fear of God. And that fear of God is set forth earlier on in Second Corinthians chapter 5 in connection with whether we labor, whether present, present with the Lord or absent from the Lord. He says, we may be accepted of him for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body whether, uh, according to that he had done whether it be good or bad. So this 
fear of God is that we're going to be judged in connection with this peculiarness. We're going to be judged on the uh, in connection with this issue of being separate. He has separated us. He has come along and taught us who he desires to be, not only by virtue of what he did the moment we believed in our identity, but he teaches us in his word how we are to conduct ourselves, and so much so that we are to be zealous of good works. He says in Galatians chapter 6, he says, Be not deceived, in verse 7, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. That life everlasting is the issue over there in Romans chapter 6, when he says the the, the, the end of the fruit unto holiness is everlasting life. It's the only thing that we can take out of this world. That which is reaped, uh, sowed, sown to the flesh, uh, will, will reap of the flesh corruption. It's that which dies. It's, it's death in God's sight. But yes, sow it to the Spirit, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And then he says this in verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing. We ought not be weary in well-doing. Why? For in due season we shall reap. The sowing to the Spirit is consistent with well-doing. It's well-doing led by the Spirit of God. And in due season, at the judgment seat of Christ, we shall reap life everlasting if we faint not. He goes on in verse 10, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Our good is towards those fellow believers and fellow members of the body of Christ, as well as all men. Back in Titus, as Paul winds down his letter to Titus, he says this in verse 8 of chapter 3, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto all men. We are to be careful to maintain good works. The Spirit of God teaches us to be full of care when it comes to good works. And the leaders are to affirm constantly that those that have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. Beloved, we are not only peculiar because of what God did when we first believed the gospel. We continue to perfect that peculiarness when we walk in the things that he continues to work and to teach through his word working in us as we live them out in the details of our life. We are a peculiar people not only by identity, but we're called to be separate. And we're called, we're exhorted and instructed to be separate on the basis of what the Spirit of God teaches us. 
what he teaches us to deny in connection with the world, and what how we are and how we should live. So much so that we are indifferent to good works. We are zealous of good works. Are you part of the peculiar people? Have you trusted in what the grace of God brought to you? The salvation that has appeared to all men? Have you believed in the Savior Jesus Christ? That He provided redemption and redemption is found in Him. That you might, when you believe in Him and what He did, have the forgiveness of sins. And no longer a hope, a dismal hope of pain for them in hell and the lake of fire for all eternity, but rather having forgiveness of your sins that you might have peace with God. No longer an enemy of God, but one in whom much, his much love is toward and will have the gift of life. Have you believed in the gospel? Have you believed in Christ Jesus and what he did? And if you have, are you perfecting this peculiarness through the Spirit? Are you perfecting holiness by the promises of God in Christ to us today in this dispensation of His grace? By the Spirit's leading that can only come from the Word of God. Is that working in you in such a way that you are zealous of good works and you know exactly what those good works are? You know exactly as he said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or the woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Are you furnished? Are you furnished unto all good works? And are you zealous of good works? I would exhort you and I would instruct you to be both those things. And I would constantly affirm that you would be careful to maintain good works in the fear of God. Not for your salvation, not for your eternal destiny, because, but because this is what the grace of God teaches us. And what it works is glory and reward in the life that is to come. I pray for your peculiarness. I pray for your separateness. I pray for your transformation by the renewing of your mind and your will to line up with the will of God found in the word of God unto all good works. Until next week, look up. <laughs>